The victory bell is staying in Chapel Hill. North Carolina escapes Wallace Wade Stadium with a Houdini act to remain undefeated in ACC play. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, October 17th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure that you don't miss a second of your team every day. Hey, congrats, big congrats to Samuel Slade. He is the winner of last week's Drive for Five drawing, the bucket hat for North Carolina. So Samuel, I need you to DM us or send us a message on Twitter or on YouTube, or you can email the show lockedontarheels at gmail.com. We need to get your address so we can send you your hat. Congratulations to you. If you would like to be entered in a drawing yourself, we got a big one coming up this week. Each week in October, we're doing drawings. All you have to do to be entered is to subscribe to Locked on Tar Heels on YouTube. This week's drawing competition prize is going to be a program from the Final Four, unopened in its original packaging. And you know what? We're going to draw the winner for that live this coming Saturday on our Final Four Rewatch, which is taking place at 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central Time right here on Locked on Tar Heels. Make sure you're tuned in. And if you want to win, you have to subscribe to the show between now and Saturday. All right, folks. Chaz Surratt, Will Hardy, they are both Blue Devil Enders. Both of these guys having come up with interceptions in recent years to seal victories for the Tar Heels against the Duke. And so this year it was Will Hardy with that interception at the end of the game, the last meaningful play to seal a victory that looked like it had no shot at happening with about three minutes to go in the game. We'll talk about all of it here today. North Carolina with the victory, they move now into the AP, AP top 25. The Tar Heels are 22nd in the nation in both the AP poll. They were already in the coaches poll, but now they move up to 22nd there as well. The Tar Heels are 6-1 overall. They are 3-0 in ACC play. As we've already said, they're undefeated. So 6-1, that means Carolina is now bowl eligible as of October 15th already. Um, no, no having to sweat it out like they did last season. Are we going to make it to six wins? Absolutely they are, and absolutely they did. And with being undefeated so far in the ACC, they are the only team in the Coastal Division that's undefeated in conference play. And so the Tar Heels very much have the inside track to winning the Coastal, but they got to keep doing it. They've got to keep winning. You got five more games to go and a lot of big ones ahead. We will talk about that. Now, here's what's, I don't know if I would call it interesting or frustrating or what, but I've seen a lot of people, media and fans alike, who say, yeah, but they're not a good six and one team. What what did you expect from the 2022 Tar Heels? Are you expecting them to be seven and zero and obliterating people 55 to nothing? Like if I had offered you six and one at this point, 
preseason, if I had said seven games in, Carolina is going to be six and one, would you have taken that? Absolutely you would. It, do, it doesn't matter how they're winning or what it looks like. They are winning. There are a lot of teams that would love to be at six and one right now. Are there maybe some teams around the country who have a worse record that would maybe beat North Carolina? Perhaps. But the Tar Heels are six and one. You cannot change that fact. So, yes, I recognize there are, is a lot to work on. The defense continues to be a work in progress. The running game takes some strides here and there, but it is a work in progress. Okay, great. The Tar Heels are already bowl eligible. They're undefeated in ACC play. They're 4-0 on the road. Would, would you rather have them be losing these close games? Absolutely not. You would rather have them winning and just doing the things they need to do. They're going to figure it out, whether that's throughout the stretch of this season or next year or whatever it is. But for now, can we just be okay with the fact that the 2022 North Carolina Tar Heels are 6-1, and they're 3-0 and in the ACC, and they haven't lost away from Keenan Stadium? I think that's good enough. Speaking of four on the road, 4-0 on the road, last year, Carolina was 0-5 on the road, 0-6 if you include the bowl game, which was away from Keenan Stadium, but obviously a neutral site. Interestingly, all four of these road victories have been one possession victories, very close games that Carolina has done what they've needed to do, or the other team has helped them do what they needed to do. Close goals, but they're games that the, the, the Tar Heels haven't always won, and this year, they're winning them. That has to mean something. They are finding out ways to get it done, even if it seems, as did yesterday, like it's not going to happen. For example, in, in this game against Duke, Carolina responded to being down twice. Keep in mind, they were down 21-10 to and then went on a 21-0 run to get that 31-21 lead. Yes, they, they gave that up, but 21 straight to come back from 21-10 to take a lead. You'll love to see that. Now, again, Carolina got down to Duke 35-31. Um, had a chance to make that up, fumbled, and then got very fortunate with Duke near the goal line, getting pushed back by penalties and missing a field goal, which set up this final kind of heisman type moment for Drake May. I know it wasn't a perfect drive, but he did what he needed to do to get Carolina that last score and the lead, and ultimately the Tar Heels were able to win. So twice... Twice in this game, Carolina bounced back on the road and did, again, what they needed to do there. Now, as for Drake May, this dude right now, leading the nation in touchdowns responsible for at 27, leading the nation in total yards, 26.61, total yards per game, 380.1. He's tied for the FBS lead in passing touchdowns. Uh, with 24, he's tied with Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. And so Drake May, I mean, you have to seriously, very seriously, whether you're a Tar Heel fan or just a college football fan or pundit or whatever it is, have to take this guy's Heisman candidacy seriously. I was talking about it two games into the season because I saw it. People said, oh, Isaac, you're too early. And maybe I was, but I saw the makings of what I thought was a very legit thing. And so I started talking about it and calling it out. So why not? Let's keep the train moving. There's plenty of room. You don't, you know, I don't have to say I told you so, but come on and get on it with me now. Speaking of Drake May, specific to this game, career high 380 passing yards, uh, fourth straight game with 300 plus passing yards. He's had 300 plus in five of the seven games this season. 
And the two games when he didn't have 300 passing yards, he was six yards short in one of them and 16 short in another. So yeah, this dude is just doing it all. Again, he you might remember against Miami last week, he had those two interceptions, just his second and third of the season. Kind of weird, but right back to it this week, no interceptions. However, the fumbles are becoming a little bit troublesome. Um, Drake has had some of those this season, and I know uh, the, the ones against Duke were kind of weird. Like the first one was Caleb Hood kind of accidentally knocked the ball out of his hands, and the other um, was was just a pass rush. And that just happens sometimes. It gets to you. I really didn't think they were going to overturn that second one that they did overturn and call it a fumble. And that caused a lot of tension in that game. But Carolina, as we've already talked about, was able to overcome. A couple more big picture things from this game. Let's stick with the offense. Carolina's red zone offense. You ready for what they're doing this season? Well, yes, uh, not yesterday, Saturday against Duke. Carolina was perfect again in terms of scoring when in the red zone. Six for six. You absolutely love to see that. But I want to talk about what they've done on the season in the red zone. They've been in the red zone 30 times in their first seven games. They have scored on 28 of those 30 trips. 24 of those 28 are touchdowns. That's right. 28 scores in 30 red zone trips. 24 of those 30 have, or 24 of those 28 scoring opportunities have been touchdowns. So that's 93.3% uh, scoring and 80% on touchdowns when in the red zone. That's crazy. And just two trips in which the Tar Heels have not scored any points in the red zone. Well, one of those was because it was the end of the Florida A&M game and Carolina was being kind to just run out the clock. The second one was a turnover on downs early in the Miami game where Carolina could have had points and just elected to go for it on fourth and four as Mac Brown has been doing. So really Carolina could be 100% on scoring in the red zone this year um, if they wanted to. I mean, it's just this type of red zone efficiency. It's exactly what a team needs to be doing. Now, now as for the defense, because that continues to be the huh of this team. And so it's weird. Like the whole first half against Duke, it was like, Oh, here we go again. And then the third quarter, Carolina stymies Duke. And then the fourth quarter, it kind of turns back into what was happening the first quarter. And so it's just like, uh, you, you, you figure things out sometimes and you love, love to see that. And uh, there's just not the consistency. And I think that's what the Tar Heels are trying to find still. And they're going to. I fully and firmly believe that. They have the players to do so. They're still learning each other. They're still learning Coach Chizik. There's a lot of youth. Uh, it's talented, but it's young. And, and as we often talk about, it's not just talent and it's not just experience. It's experienced talent that wins these games in college. So Duke had, let's talk about the specifics of it. Duke had four first half drives, three touchdowns and a turnover on downs that could have easily been points as well. Um, but Carolina was able to stop them, which is great. Second week in a row in a row with a goal line stand. You love to see that from the defense. But just those four possessions were not inspiring confidence. Now, of course, if we're getting technical, Duke did have a fifth possession, but it was like with a couple seconds left after Carolina had scored that touchdown right before halftime. So we're not talking about that. But then again, as I said, Carolina seemed to find something at halftime. People were tweeting back at me when I said that about um, Mike's secret juice from Space Jam. I, I love that. Pat Kilby gave me one of those. 
And uh, I think the keeping it heel account uh, quote tweeted that same thing. Love to see that. But seriously, Carolina, Duke started the second half with the ball. Carolina stopped them, stopped them again. And then um, uh, I think it was another turnover on downs, but it was three straight drives to start the second half without points for Duke. You love to see that from Carolina and you felt really good about the direction of things. They had built that 10 point lead, but then Duke adjusted and reeled off back-to-back touchdowns to take that 35, 31 lead. Carolina needs to find whatever it was there in the third quarter and package it and reuse it over and over again. Let's use the rushing yards as an example. First quarter, 72 for Duke. Second quarter, 120 for Duke. Third quarter, two. Duke had two rushing yards in the third quarter of this game. I am not even remotely joking. But then in the fourth quarter, it was right back up over triple digits, 103 rushing yards. So uh, it's just, it's hard to know, but the defense, it, it keeps plowing away. They keep doing work. They're going to get things figured out we can believe in that now one last overall thing it is very nice that carolina played that week zero game not just to get some attention but it's paying some dividends now why because the tar heels have yet another off week they had one earlier after the notre dame game or was it before notre before notre dame excuse me and now they have another one uh before hosting pittsburgh uh for the homecoming game on october 29th and so, and that is going to be a very important conference game. You need to win that game. Pitt's one of the um, higher believed in teams in the ACC coming into the season. And so a uh, big opportunity for the Tar Heels there at home on homecoming. Well, so that's some big picture things for you to take away from this game. I want to talk about what I thought were three important plays either, either to this game or that meant things for this season. But first, I want to tell you about Simply Safe. Folks, the numbers do not lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I have several friends who use Simply Safe in their own home and they love it. Simply Safe protects you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Now, here's more about why I love it. In this day and age of being able to control everything digitally, I'm a big fan of Simply Safe's advanced technology, which allows you to control the system from your phone while seeing everything in crystal clear, high definition. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch, dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. That is so comforting to me. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. That's right. First month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Okay, let me share with you what I thought were three very important plays in this game, either that were specific to this game or that typified things that I think are important for the season as a whole. And man, they're, they're big plays, big swings throughout the entirety of this game, but I really want to go to things late in the game. Uh, the first one is the go-ahead touchdown for the Tar Heels right at the end of the game. Um, I don't say game-winning or walk-off touchdown because, as we saw, there were some nervous moments after it. But at this point, let me set the scene. 
Duke is leading 35-31. UNC has just escaped that moment I talked about where they were right down at Carolina's goal line, looking like they'd either put the game away with a touchdown, making it two scores with about two and a half minutes left, or a field goal that would make it uh, Carolina would have to drive and get a touchdown to tie it or maybe go ahead with the two-point conversion. But Carolina escaped. Duke had back-to-back penalties and then missed a field goal, which gave Carolina this opportunity in the first place to have this um, this drive. So here's what happens. Carolina gets to the to the Duke 25 in two plays, a nice pass play, and then a run that ended with a face mask getting Carolina down there close to the red zone. Eventually, the Tar Heels get to third and goal at the eight-yard line. 21 seconds left on the clock. You got time to run two plays, and obviously you're going to go for it on fourth down here because you're down four points. A field goal won't suffice. So you're going to go on fourth if you don't get this, but you don't want to have to rely on fourth. You really, really want to get it here on third down. And this play to me encapsulates a lot of what makes Drake May so good. He gets the snap, and I think he wanted, like, it was so quick what happened, you couldn't really tell, but he had Josh Downs to his left. I think he wanted Downs, but he was flushed to his right by some free runners coming at him. Duke had two um, pass rushers that had pretty much free reign at Drake May, so he he shifts to his right um, and starts directing traffic. And what's really, you love to see that, the mobility and the recognition to get out of the pocket get to the right, get away from these two defenders, kind of move back up towards the line of scrimmage. There's Antoine Green. He directs him around to the side. Antoine Green comes back, Is doesn't run out of bounds. I mean, you saw the review. It's just like barely any green showing, but keeps his feet in bounds as he works his way back to the goal line from the back of the end zone. And then Drake May makes the throw. Touchdown, Carolina's up. 37-35 pending the, the review of the play and then the extra point. And so this touchdown to me, obviously it's huge because it caps this game-winning two-minute drill that Drake May led Carolina on. These are the moments that Heisman voters love to see, right? You think about that, you're like, what are some moments that define this season? You get a, a touchdown in the final 20 seconds over one of your rivals at their stadium, yeah, that's something voters are looking at. So way to go, uh, Drake May and Antoine Green. But again, that that play just really shows to me a lot of the amazingness of what Drake May is bringing. Now, let's go to just a little bit later, uh, because the game is not over at this point. Duke is going to get the ball back, and they're only down three. So all they need to do is get a into field goal range to tie it. Now they aren't going to have much faith in their field goal kicker. Who's just missed a kick uh, a couple game minutes earlier, but you know, you, you want to at least have the opportunity. So Duke has 16 seconds to work with and all three timeouts. That is a hugely important thing here. So they get a nice big chunk pass to start the drive out to about midfield. I think that brought up about 10 seconds left first down from there. Um, Cedric Gray is able to get a hand in pass breakup. Duke really wanted defensive pass interference on that one. It was not called. They take another timeout. And then comes the game ceiling play. Uh, drops back to pass. Noah Taylor uh, gets his 
mid up there gets a tip on the pass and then will hardy who we mentioned earlier comes in to secure the interception by the way it feels like carolina has been tipping a lot of balls at the line you love to see it and you want them to keep it up um, but um, so big kudos there to Noah Taylor for um, tipping this pass. Big kudos to Will Hardy for making this catch and bringing it in. You don't always see uh, those catches happen. They're often bobbled or things are of that nature as the player gets all excited. And so huge play um, to essentially seal this victory, because at that point, even though there was not much time left on the clock, you really felt like Duke, just the momentum they had had going in a lot of the fourth quarter, you weren't sure how this was going to play out. And so this interception uh, relieves any worries. Victory formation, Drake May takes a knee. Let's get out of here. Let's go home. And then uh, the third play I want to point out, and this is not some huge play. I always like to try to find like a nitty gritty, maybe under the radar play as well that can show something. And this play was in the drive just before halftime. You might remember Carolina um, at this point is down 21-10 and Duke's going to get the ball after the half. I believe this drive started with a minute 38 left on the clock. And so Drake May takes Carolina on a great drive. There's some, some nice plays, good pass catches, things of that nature. But here, here's the play that I want to point out. It's first and 10 at the Duke 12. Drake May takes off scampers to the left side of the formation. And he gets down to about the four-yard line. And this is where you see his wheels turning. I could probably go airborne here and maybe make it to the end zone. If I can just fly by, fly by these defenders or dive for the pylon and make it whatever that may be. But you know what? Drake May stepped out of bounds. What? Drake May? Yeah. Drake May stepped out of bounds on this play. He lived to fight, to fight another day. And that's what we have been begging for. So why do I point out this play? because it shows growth and it shows maturity and it shows Drake May realizing how important he is to this team that he needs to save his body to live to fight another day. And oh, by the way, two plays later, passing touchdown to Mr. Caleb Hood, Carolina goes into the locker room down just 21-17 with some momentum. They stop Duke right out of halftime and then score themselves. Drake May stepping out of bounds, small, maybe overlooked play, but he did it. And these are the plays that showed, even for everything great that Drake May is already doing, some growth in the midst of this impressive already season. Keep it up, Drake May. You love to see it. Okay, next, we want to talk about three players who I thought made a huge impact in this game or stepped up for a variety of reasons. And, of course, my shady stat of the game. All that coming at you after I tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. For example, Drake May has been slowly but surely climbing his way into this Heisman conversation as we've been talking about, and I can only imagine when BetOnline's numbers release again this week, it's only going to get better. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, three players.
players who I thought played pivotal roles in this game. And the first of which is Josh Downs. But there's a twofold reason I want to talk about him. The first is quite obviously the nine catches for 126 yards. They were There were some insane catches. There were some very important catches that kept drives alive or did other things like that. For example, some of those on the final drive, just before that touchdown we talked about, Carolina was facing a fourth and five. And of course, everyone in the place knows this pass is going to Josh Downs. And it did. And he caught it. You love to see that faith between Drake May and Josh Downs. You love to see them completing the play as well. Probably the craziest catch to me that he had, Carolina, um, the, the drive when Drake May fumbled the second time, when Carolina had already gone down 35-31 and things were looking um, pretty good. Carolina had a nice drive going. Eventually, there was the fumble, though, and then Duke just drained the clock. But earlier in that drive, Carolina was facing a third and two. What did Drake May do? He went to his guy, Josh Downs. And somehow Downs catches it as he's like falling out of bounds and just drags that toe across the turf before it carries, before his momentum carries him out of bounds. And, and I know these are the things that we work on all the time in, in practice and you do all these sideline drills, but the ability to actually contort your body and do this in the midst of a game is nothing short of remarkable. And this to me was probably the catch of the game. And he had a couple others as well. There was a 38 yard pass that he caught falling down onto the one yard line. And as he's reaching for it, the defender's hand comes up between his still Josh Downs pulls it in. Um, and then Carolina scores, I believe on the next play that might've been Elijah Green's first touchdown of the day. And so all sorts of crazy catches for Josh Downs, but here's perhaps a more important reason I want to talk about why he, for me, is a player of the game for this Duke game, his leadership. Drake May talked about how um, right before that final drive, remember the last time Carolina had the ball, Drake May had fumbled for the second time in this game. Josh Downs went up to him and reminded him of who he is and how the team believes in him and what Drake May can do to lead this team down the field one more time and actually sneak out of Durham with this win. And obviously, as we know now, that's exactly what Drake May did. But Josh Downs recognizing, hey, my redshirt freshman quarterback might not be in the best state of mind right now. And I, as a leader on this team and in this locker room, need to go speak to him and remind him of who he is. And so for me, that's probably a more, not more important, but an equally as important um, moment for Josh Downs as what he did actually on the field catching balls. Way to go, Josh Downs. Number two is his counterpart, Antoine Green. Four receptions for 112 yards. Obviously a very important touchdown catch. Um, but I, I really want to point him out and salute him because... Carolina knew, um, and, and the fans knew, and the media knew, when he had that collarbone injury preseason, like, boy, this is tough for the Tar Heels to lose essentially their number two receiver, their main downfield threat, and how that would complement Josh Downs. How's that going to hurt the team? But boy, he has come back, and, and um, the things he's been able to do came back in the Notre Dame game and just has really, really helped take the top off of defenses, allowed Drake May to take some shots downfield, open things up for the running game, for Josh Downs, for the tight ends, all sorts of stuff like that. And so not only do I want to point out that four for 112 and a touchdown line, but how just beneficial to the team's success it is that he's back in the lineup. 
man, Antoine Green, way to go. Keep it going. And then the third player I want to point out is Elijah Green. Now, he has been the forgotten member of this running back room. There were six of them coming into the season. Remember that. We had the unfortunate injury to what's ex who's expected to be the starter, right? And then DJ Jones starts the first game of the season. Then you see Omarion Hampton starting a lot after that. And since then, it's been Caleb Hood. Obviously, George Petaway has had some run. But really, Elijah Green just hasn't got many chances. Two point. Since the Florida A&M game, he had had no carries until this Duke game. Um, and so, first off, compliments to Elijah for staying ready. You never know when your number is going to be called, but he came in. He didn't get a ton of carries in this game, had three, but guess what? Two of them went for touchdowns, including a 20 yard run. He also had one catch for eight yards. That was right before, like the play before that um, Josh Downs toe drag. It was a second and 10. And so he had an eight yard pass catch that set up the ability to complete that third and two. And so Elijah Green, way to come in and do some big things for this team. I just want to shout that out and say, way to stay ready for when your number is called. And finally, it is time for our shady stat of this game. We just talked about them, but my stat of the game is that Carolina, for the first time this season, had a pair of 100-yard receivers. Josh Downs with 126 and Mr. Green with 126. 12. In fact, this was the first time. Anybody want to take a guess? I'll give you five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. The last time Carolina had a duo of receivers go over 100 receiving yards was November 14th, 2020, in a 59-53 victory over Wake Forest. Uh, based on the year, you can probably guess that, yes, it was Daz Newsom and Diami Brown. Listen to these numbers. Daz had 189 receiving yards, and Diami had 163 that day. Boy, howdy, that is uh, incredible. That offense was just something different. I would love to go back and rewatch some of that team's games that season. So that's your shady stat of the game. You have a pair of 100-yard receivers for the first time in nearly two years. Way to go, Josh Jones and Antoine Green. Boom. Shady stat of the game right there for you. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up this week, Zayden High committed to the Tar Heels on Sunday, so we're going to break him down, Pat Kilby and I, on Wednesday. Can't wait for that. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac shade please don't forget to subscribe smash the like button leave some comments on your thoughts on this victory over duke and by the way don't forget to hit that bell so you get notified anytime a new episode drops get more on the acc by making locked on acc your second listen of the day host candace cooper and the local experts of locked on take you around the conference in 30 minutes five days a week I hope that you had a wonderful weekend and I hope that you have a great week upcoming. Thanks so much for tuning in with me on a Monday. I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace.